What's up, everybody? Quick announcement. If you would like to communicate with me or reach out to me for whatever reason regarding this podcast, you can now do so at Jason, J-A-S-O-N dot P3 podcast at gmail.com. I will also post it in the description as well. Okay, so I know yesterday's podcast was a little longer than normal, and I will do my best to keep them under 15 minutes, but yesterday was a lot of content, and it was hard to cut any more out than what I did. And when you think about it, the description of Jesus from yesterday's episode, when you think about it, how can you not get pumped? The powerful and righteous judge, vindicator, and warrior that is described in yesterday's podcast, in the first chapter of Revelation That's the Jesus that fights for you and me. If I have to face the enemy each day, I sure am glad that that is the Jesus that fights for me and stands as my fortress and shield. When you think about it, how can you read and visualize that description of Jesus and fear anything that the devil can throw at you? Look at who stands in the way. If Satan has to go through Jesus to get to you, well, we already know how that's going to end. Okay, guys. Today we jump right into chapter 2 where John is uh, told to write a specific message to each of the seven churches or lampstands. When uh, And so we begin with the church of Ephesus. The first uh, letter is written to the church of Ephesus. Now each message begins with a slightly different description of Jesus according to what they need to hear along with a praise and a rebuke and then a slightly different ending Um, which usually features a reward for heeding his instruction. Now, remember, every detail matters and is intentional, and that is what we are going to dive into today. Uh, Let's take a look at the first letter and see what the Lord has to say and how it can bless our life. Now, the church, uh, to the church of Ephesus, he begins with describing Jesus as the one who holds the seven stars or ministers or ministering. You know, it refers to his angels, but remember, that's the ministers or pastors, as we might uh, be more familiar with that term, you know, uh, of this particular church. And he reminds them that he holds them in his right hand, and he walks among the seven churches or lampstands. So, you know, he is reminding the church of Ephesus that he is in control. It belongs to him, and he upholds them. He walks among them and directs their path. Then he commends them for their hard work and perseverance in in the faith and for standing against false teachers who pretend to be apostles uh, of Jesus. But they were found to be false. You know, they were diligent in exposing these people that were pretending to be apostles who were not apostles. This makes more sense when you understand that Ephesus was a major port city on the Mediterranean Sea that connected the east and the west ends of the Roman Empire. It was a prosperous city with a continuous influx of ships of ships and various people and thus had many temples to many Roman gods, um, like, and most notably, the ones to like Artemis or Diana, um, and were filled with prostitutes and all kinds of um, just immorality. So here, right in the middle of the devil's playground, so to speak, stood one of the major churches of that day. That makes sense as to why this letter begins like it does with Jesus reminding them that he that he has them in his right hand. He is in control. And you know, why he praises them for enduring hardships for his name and not growing weary 
Ephesus is a picture of discernment, unity, and perseverance. Now, this should be our goal as believers to be commended for having an enduring faith. You know, and, and Paul talks about it as well, you know, when it comes to finishing the race. And so it's so important to have that persevering faith. The Christian walk is not easy. And here you see that the churches, uh, they endured a lot and they were or they were struggling and they had to have a certain level of perseverance if they were going to make it. And Jesus commends them for having that perseverance. You know, to be able to say that we pushed through the hard times and difficulties and kept the faith, that's, that's exactly what we want in our walk. That's what we want to hear Jesus commend us for, you know, making it through the difficulties and the storms and the hard times and being able to say that you finished the race, you know, that, that you endured for the, for the sake of Christ. You know, also, we too should test and vet any teacher of the word and ensure that what they are teaching holds up to the scrutiny of the word of God. In their day, John became the last apostle because only Jesus could appoint an apostle. And each apostle possessed supernatural power that was indicative of their position given to them personally by Christ. And we know that all the apostles were, you know, were basically martyred um, and killed except for John, who later dies, you know, I'm assuming just from old age. So when these false teachers came in pretending to be an apostle so they could earn position or clout in the church, the church leaders were not easily fooled and they put them to the test. And when they didn't bear the fruit and proof of a true apostle, they were put out of the church. And Jesus praised them for their diligence and respect for God's authority um, and for for being so particular. For you know, It's not that they were picking on the people, but you got to be careful because you can't allow people in to those leadership positions that are going to lead the people astray and get them off course. So now comes the rebuke and warning for the church of Ephesus. Revelation 2, 4 through 5 says, Yet I hold this against you, for you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. They are praised for their enduring faith and discernment. Then they are rebuked for leaving their first love. Now it would seem obvious that Jesus is the first love uh, of the church. You know, they have continued the work, but have forgotten the whole purpose of the work. To share the love of Jesus and the gospel. To reach the lost. Now tell me that doesn't hold merit even today. There are churches that are all about the work and the business of church, but have forgotten why they do the work to begin with. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people, but it's real easy for us to lose our way and for us to get so caught up in the work that we're doing that we forget why we do it, and therefore we lose the the heart of the matter, the 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 intent, the the focus begins to shift. You know, I came from a church that was and is all about reaching the lost. Any event or work uh, that they put in place to reach the lost was quickly cut if it failed to do its sole purpose, which was to reach the lost, to, to draw in the lost. And when it stopped reaching the lost, the program or event or whatever was cut. That is why 
it was so important when we moved to find a, when we moved to where we are now, you know, we wanted to find a church that had a heart and focus on reaching the lost. And that's so important. You know, if a church ever forgets that, then it loses the whole anointing and the whole reason for being a church. And so it is easy to get lost in the ministry and in doing church things, but we can never lose sight of the real purpose of any of those church things. And the moment the church loses sight of it, of its real purpose, it becomes like the church of Ephesus. This also applies to us individually. Don't ever be about the work to the point that you forget why you are doing the work uh, to begin with. Now look at the warning Jesus gives them if they do not repent and turn to the things they did in the beginning. Verse 5, it says, If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. If they don't get their focus back on Jesus and the gospel, he's going to exert his authority over the church and remove them as a church. That means that you know they will no longer have, the, have his blessing and protection and guidance as a church. And that could be the same with someone in a ministry position or in a position where maybe God has put you in a position or a, a, a ministry leader in a position. And if they ever lose sight or lose focus of what God has called them to do, and that's to spread the gospel, then Jesus is saying, hey, he can exert his authority. and He will, he will remove you from that position and remove you as that lamp, so to speak. So, but he says, you know, in verse six, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, um, which is also, he says, which I also hate, but not, not a lot is known or clear about this group. Um, but later in this chapter, John seems to link this group's practices to the practices of those who followed uh, Balaam. It seems as though this group tried to be a part of the church on one hand, and on the other hand, they would offer sacrifices to Roman gods to appease the Roman rulers. You know, then they would try to entice Christians in the church to do the same, to compromise their faith. This is this should remind us that God hates double-minded people and especially hates those who would lead his people away from the truth or get them to compromise their faith by accepting and supporting the whims and ways of the world to appease others or those in charge. Sound like today? Sure does to me. We must stand firm on God's word and hold steadfast to the purpose of the church. We must not compromise our faith to appease others, especially those who hate God's ways to begin with. In our efforts to serve God, we must not forget that sharing Jesus with others is our top priority. You know, in closing, Jesus gives them the reward for being victorious in their faith. Verse 7, he says, Whoever hears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You notice how he just didn't say the church, like this church. He's talking to all of them in this regard. But nonetheless, he says, you know, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise, in the paradise of God, which we know paradise of God is just a, you know, another way of saying heaven. So those who persevere in keeping the faith will receive a great reward in heaven. We will talk much more about this tree of life and, and heaven 
and how that all plays out uh, much further down the road as we get toward the end of Revelation. But we know that the tree of life first appeared in the Garden of Eden. And if they would have continued to eat of that, then man would have been stuck forever in its sin because the tree of life gave, you know, whoever ate from it gave them eternal life, so to speak. So without getting too much further into that, just know that those who are victorious in their faith, you know, I mean, you've heeded the words of Christ, you've accepted Christ and surrendered your life to him, and you are victorious because the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. You know, and as a believer who puts their faith and trust in Jesus and endures to the end, you know, you will have the chance to eat from the tree of life in heaven. So again, we'll talk more about that down the road, but it's exciting nonetheless to think about. Now, I think the warning here for us is not to to be a Christian whose faith is on autopilot or to be so satisfied with where you know we are that we stop trying to be who Jesus wants us to be. You know, sometimes we can get so satisfied and content with where we are that we stop trying. You know, and that's that can be detrimental. So, if you are coasting along in your faith and your faith is on autopilot, and maybe you've forgotten why you you know put your faith in Jesus to begin with, then take a moment and remember how you felt when you first believed. Find that excitement and purpose once again. Let Jesus shine through you like you were created to do. Let his love and grace flow through you and make it your mission to show others the way, to be the light in the darkness and give him all the praise, honor, and glory. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and for your continued grace and mercy. Thank you for your correction and for reminding us not to lose sight of what matters most, and that is carrying the light of your truth to everyone around us. If any of your people are on autopilot or have forgotten their first love, I pray that they would fall in love with you again and find the fire, that fire for you that they once had. Use your people, Lord, to be a light in the darkness. Jesus, bless the reading of this book and let it grow our faith and strengthen us in our walk. And we will be faithful to give you all the praise. Amen.